Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Hire and Fire podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Miller, the CEO of Pirate Consulting, and I have a few guests with me today. We have a full room, per se. Director of Marketing, Amanda Anderson, is here as always. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi. We also brought in a couple of guests. These are some internal senior people here at Pirate Consulting because we want their opinion on our feature topic today, which is interview preparations. We're going to try and cover it from every angle. How do we prepare candidates? What do we do to have them ready to go? How do our managers feel about that? What the hell kind of shenanigans stories we've had (laughs) having to do with people going into interviews and screwing this up? This is kind of a big thing in our industry and not a lot of people talk about it. So we're going to try and give some insider information on why we do what we do, how we do what we do, why people don't listen to us when we prepare them for interviews. But our guests today are uh, one of our senior recruiters, actually our lead recruiter, Brett Banky. Say hello. Hello, everybody. And we have in a remote compound in a distant location, (laughs) one of our senior account managers, John Rodvick. Hi, John. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, So we're going to just kind of jump in. Uh, We've all been in this industry a long time, uh, so we've all kind of seen a lot of things. Amanda's kind of coming from a different angle, which is more of like what it's like to hire people. since Without a recruiting Without it, right? Um, A few of us have even used staffing companies before, even before we were in the industry, so we can talk about that um, and kind of jump in. So what's up, John? What's up, Brett? What do you guys think about this topic? I think it's a great topic. Uh, I think it's one that uh, gets overlooked often in the process. I think too many companies rely on on the automatic emails going out to candidates saying, you know, here's some things to look at. Here's the job description again. And just kind of the reminder of who you're talking to and if it's a video or or a phone interview or walk-in. So I, th- I think it's a great topic. Yeah. How do you feel about this whole thing, John? You don't have an opinion, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do, I do. Uh, our clients uh, and my clients appreciate when our candidates come prepared. And you, you look back at the the life cycle of, uh, you know, even getting a candidate to the interview process. How long did it take that account manager or sales executive to, uh, you know, get get the build build relationships? Uh, you know, get some meetings, uh, sign, get an MSA. And uh, and then get a get a job order, uh, and then not only that, how long did it take for to, for the recruiters, uh, Brett and his team, to start to, to qualify candidates? And uh, if and when we present candidates, and if we just say, okay, candidate, uh, here's here's the time and date, uh, go knock yourself out. We have failed uh, everybody. We have failed uh, 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 the recruiters. We failed the uh, my clients. We feel we have failed. Uh, um, uh, the candidate uh, and the, the the clients absolutely appreciate when candidates come ready to go. Yeah, not only that, but we're in a brave new world with COVID for the last couple of years. I mean, for those of you who aren't in the industry out there listening, the norm for companies that care about this stuff is typically to go meet the candidate at the site, right? right. So we might prep them prior to the phone discussion. Uh, but we would meet them there and introduce them. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of a thing of the past. I don't know if that's going to stay forever, but nowadays it's remote, it's video, it's it's uh, it's over the phone, whatever. So we're trying to prep people for weird scenarios like that. What the heck do you have behind you on the screen, for an right. example? Or how do you represent yourself if you're trying to impress a manager over the phone and you won't even ever have a chance to meet this person, right? That kind of sucks. So John's dead right. We're trying to 
help everybody in the process. But I don't know. Do you guys disagree or agree? I would argue like the main focus of interview preparations is for the candidate, right? But at least I would argue that. Now, the other people have side benefits, but we're really kind of the main goal is to make sure that person knows what they're doing and they're prepared to go in. Do you agree or do you think it's maybe a little bit more for everybody involved, kind of what John was saying? I I guess for me, uh, as the outsider looking in, I would say it benefits, like John said, it benefits everyone. Um to the point where even ourselves of like how we look to uh, our clients of the kind of people. Our perception? Yeah, like our, yeah, because my brain always goes to our brand and our, you know, our image. And so I just think about how important it is to have candidates that we present and, and send into these interviews that are sharp. They know what's going on. They're not sleepy or mis or confused or yeah. you know not engaged like that that's not only good for the candidate and the client but that that is a reflection on us so i think it's really every it benefits everybody there is a fear factor in prepping candidates for interviews isn't there brad like to a certain extent like you know please go in there and represent yourself well or like you might know something about a candidate maybe they're normally quiet and you want to get them to open up or vice versa right like we're it's a little bit of defense to a certain extent too it definitely is because you know they're representing they're representing us when they go into an interview and we don't want them to you know, underperform, especially if technically it seems like they're the great fit. They got the great personality fit, but then when they come across and interview poorly, all that doesn't matter. And all they think about is something that happened that went wrong. And it really doesn't do the client any service either that they interview poorly because they may be missing out on the perfect candidate because they interviewed poorly. And so we want, you know, we want to put our best foot forward with the right candidates and we want those candidates to perform well so we're not wasting the candidate's time, the client's time, and, and we can move the process forward. No doubt. Isn't that the truth, too? Like, it, you know, I don't know what the stats are. I'm sure we could find them. But the perfect candidate rarely gets the job. And I think a lot of the reason why is these interviews, right? You might have every damn skill they want. But if you can't articulate that, if you can't connect with them on a personal level, then that might not even matter. Which is so unfortunate, like that you have to, you have to be a good interviewer unless you have a hiring manager that can look past that. But in reality, there's a difference between being a good interviewer and a good performer on your job. So it, it's unfortunate that that's the case, but the charismatic uh, tend to get more jobs. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And, and I think there's a big difference in interview prep between, you know, some companies, unfortunately, and I, I'm definitely opposed to this, where they actually give the candidates the questions that are going to be getting asked. Mm-hmm. So when candidates interview, they'll say, what questions were they asked? And then they'll feed the next candidate those questions. And so the, ca- the candidates know in advance. And that's never a good thing for the client. It's not for the candidate because when once they get hired, they don't have the skills needed to get the job done. So it's, it's always great to prepare them for the styles of questions. Everything on the resume is fair game, but not to give them the actual questions, which I know some competitors have done. I've caught them doing it. And so what, what's been amazing to me coming into Pyra and working with, uh, with John as we've uh, prepped uh, candidates together, is that our styles are very similar and complement each other. I've, I've learned a lot from John, and I think he's learned some from me as well. 
John, I agree. Yeah, go I ahead. I agree. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that um, that uh, we have to do, and candidates uh, uh, eventually appreciate this, we have to let them know that uh, um, uh, preparing a candidate for an interview is part of the, our process. And I treat every candidate the same, no matter if it's a it's a candidate that is interviewed, uh, you know, all the time because they're you know a typical consultant or someone who uh, interviews rarely. I, I said, hey, you're a technical person. I'm an interview guy, so you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm not insulting your intelligence, but this is what I do. And, uh, uh, and if a candidate, uh, you know, cops an attitude, uh, I'm not afraid. And Brett and I just did this last week. Uh, uh, not afraid to, uh, you know, you know, I have a come to Jesus conversation with them about before the interview. And, and, you know, and if they're, they're not on, on board, we're threatened to, to pull them. And uh, we did that last week and guess what? So the candidate got the message hit a home run and uh, they got the offer. So uh, uh, you got to go in there with confidence and uh, we know what we're doing and they got to trust us. Yeah, that's a really good point because as a recruiter for my career, my main goal on the interview prep discussions is I know this person normally better than anybody else does inside of the staffing company, right? A lot of times, no matter how much the account manager interfaces with them, they may not have met them in person. They may not have been interfacing with them as long as I have. And normally I kind of know a little bit of what I'm afraid for, for them right? Mm -hmm. Either they're a talker and maybe I can give them some advice on, you know, how to be a little more succinct to avoid, you know, word vomiting on somebody Mm -hmm. or vice versa, or they undersell themselves and you have to try and get them out of their comfort zone, whatever it might be, you know? Picking up on when they say like, uh, the team, the team did this and the team did that, right? Versus uh, what did you do yeah. specifically on the team? Yeah, like in fact, picking that out. To that point, I like to have candidates frame a response. It really eliminates that problem. And so, you know, instead of saying we've done this, we've done that, you know, I like to have them say, well, at ABC Company, I was a team, part of a team of four. Specifically, what I did was did this, this, and this, use this tool for this response so that you get some detail. And then, John likes to add in, which I think is fantastic, too, that when you get done with your response, ask him if you've answered the question thoroughly, if you'd like to provide more detail. Because honestly, what's one of the hardest things anybody interviewing is, are you rambling on and and uh, risk the chance that they're saying, well, this guy's just not being quiet, this is rambling on and on and on, or are you not providing enough detail? Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part it, to gauge. And what, what Brad is kind of referring to there, I, 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 I preface it by, hey, hey candidates, I'm going to help you win a few brownie points uh, uh, because on occasion, follow up your answer with a question. If I, have I answered that thoroughly? Because uh, I want to make sure you fully understand it. And what, what that do is, is sending a, a subliminal message to the, the hiring manager. Hey, this candidate uh, is, is very cognizant of having being understood. Uh, their thoughts and, and messages being understood, and they want to make sure that they have good, positive, two-way communication. Uh, often, candidates can just talk, 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 without being understood. But you're, by 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 using this technique, you're sending a message that hey, hiring manager, two-way communication is is very important to me, mm-hmm. and it works like a charm. For me, it also would signify that they're open to feedback too, um, whether it's criticism or not. Like they're they're opening up the door to say like, 
did I did I answer that right? And yeah. you can tell me tell you can tell me no. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. I love it Which that you I, said that. That's my main key thing about giving people recommendations and in interviews is ending a statement with that exact thought and even ask it, does that answer your question? I say that all the time. Does it answer yeah. your, you know, like, because a lot of people, especially me, I'm, I'm the, I'm the type that's willing to fill the silence. So, right. <laughs> what? It, duh. Right. So, so that, that's where, where if, if the interviewer or the interview panel are a little quiet, you know, I'm tempted to keep talking. And that that can be helpful, but you can also, to your point, Brett, you know, that's where you get into the just you know talking for forty five minutes. And what happens every damn time somebody does that? They come out of the interview thinking they just friggin' crushed it. Meanwhile, the manager calls us back, going like, "Yeah, I think we interviewed him for an hour and ten minutes, and he stopped talking for thirty seconds." You know, right. and that almost always the answer is no to the candidate. Well, and I think you also feel confident. It it puts the pressure back on the panel or the interviewer. Because you are specifically saying, did I answer your question? So if they say yes, it's kind of on that, then then okay, yeah. then I'm good. Because you are saying that I fully answered this question. Whether or not it's right is a whole different story. But, but you know, I, I think it puts a, a little bit more on the interviewer that they can't go back and be like, well, you know, they were incomplete answers or too short of answers or anything yeah. like that. Hey, John, what uh, do you kind of have a, a, you know, if you can sum it up fairly quickly, do you have kind of a an operating rhythm on, you know, kind of a checklist that you go through? Do you kind of ro- yeah. you do? OK, what, what, what's kind of yeah. what's kind of your normal uh, stance on how you go about those conversations? Well, absolutely. And, and I'll, I'm glad you asked that because I was just going to kind of, you know, jump in on the, the kind of the how it all begins. You know, get the interview. So then I put together what I refer to. What's a, it's a it's a word document. Nothing crazy. It's just a, um, a, a, a interview prep that that includes the logistical information on the, you know time and date, uh, uh, the link uh, uh, the, for the WebEx or whatever. So interview agenda, any information on on particular who's going to be interviewing, what the, what to expect from them, and all that. I also include the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the link to the uh, the company and said you know make sure you do some do some research on the company that kind of stuff uh, and then also uh, I include the um, uh, uh, the job description again just so they have it at their fingertips but and this is this is important uh, I always include how I presented uh, the candidate's uh, credentials to the client because yeah. I want the the, the the candidate to know what the client knows about them. And it's also a kind of a, a, a checkpoint to, to see it did, 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 did we get it right? Did we represent you uh, properly? Or is there anything in, incorrect on there? Um, and then when I send that to the candidate, uh, I, and, and Brett can laugh about this, but I have a kind of a litmus test. I said, you know, you know, here's your, uh, here's the interview prep, pr- please, uh, um, uh, review carefully, uh, you know, and the, upon review, we will reach out to you and we'll make some more time to, you know, go over some other things. But then I also leave, leave a, a simple statement, please confirm receipt. And what, the, and, and those candidates that confirm receipt say, yep, John, I got it. I know the, they're kind of a, a low maintenance candidate. Uh, if those that, uh, uh do not uh, confirm receipt, uh, then I know it's a, you know, what I'm getting into. It's a candidate that's going to be a little more maintenance on, uh, on, on getting getting them to the, uh, the getting them to the goal line or, or past the goal line, um, upon them getting that document, uh, hopefully confirming receipt, then uh, uh, we have a, 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 
uh, one-on-one, uh, sometimes two-on-one uh, interview prep. Uh, Brett and I tag team so often, it's uh, like I said earlier, that we kind of mirror each other. Um, but Brett, yeah, go ahead and chime in, Brett, on uh, some of the, the techniques that, uh, that has worked like a charm for us. All right, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, national, you know, you're doing video interviews, and, and people that have been recruiting nationally have been doing these for quite some time. Uh, some of the local recruiters, um, local clients have not had as much experience, but there's a whole other aspect uh, that goes into doing a video interview that you don't have face-to-face. So for one, you know, you're on video, you have to frame yourself correctly. And what I mean by that is you don't want to have any bright light in the background that drowns you out. You don't want to be too far from the camera. You don't want to be too close. And ideally, you want that camera to be at eye level. So you're not looking up or looking down at the camera. Amen to that. And that's Mm -hmm. normally a laptop thing. So if you're going to do it, prop that sucker up on a couple of reams of paper or Mm -hmm. a box or something to have it ideally level. It does. It just it just sets the wrong tone when you're looking down on a camera or it's I know exactly what you mean. Or they're looking up at you and you got the double chin. You you, want, <laughs> yeah. you really don't want anything in your vision, their vision or their view of you to distract from the words that you're saying. Exactly. And and, and the it, audio it, it, part. It, it, go, go ahead, John. Well, no, go ahead, Brad. I'll, 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 I'll jump in later. Okay. So then, there, then you have the audio piece to talk about. And I'll give you an example right now. What can happen if you don't use a headset? and you rely on your your internal microphone uh, on your laptop, you can be really clear and concise, and then all of a sudden you're over here and you're talking over this way. And then you're back over here, and then now you're over here. And so it gets distracting, especially if you have weaker communication skills or softer spoken to begin with. And so it's always best to have uh, a headset uh, because it eliminates that, that problem of when you're not looking straight forward the, the sound is consistent. Um, and to go with that, uh, oftentimes, and we've got all sorts of stories about this. Uh, hey, Brett, let me jump in now. All right, let me jump, jump in. in. There you go, let John. Me, Get let, after let, it. Let, let, me ask, let me ask you this, Brett. You say acceptable or unacceptable. Brett, during the course of an interview, is it acceptable to be sitting on your bed uh, with the headboard? <laughs> it's happened, folks. It's happened. Should we have somebody have their entire laundry pile behind them? Yes or no? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Okay, okay, Brett. Is it acceptable to be to have your messed up bed behind you? <laughs> yeah, and put some dirty laundry on it. Yeah. Brett, okay, listen closely. Is it acceptable for a two hundred thousand dollar candidate to uh, while the videos? turning on to be putting your shirt on and buttoning it up. Mind you, and this was not Depends my candidate, the but the guy got on the call almost 10 minutes late yeah. and was dressing up while the cameras turned late on. and putting his shirt on. Whoops. So obviously this uh, interview yeah. is not really important to him. What I like about this topic, what I like about this topic too is, you know, we're talking a lot about video uh, in phone-based interviews because of today's world. But I think the dress component still plays part regardless. My thing for anybody is it's just it never suits you to be underdressed compared to others. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go in with a, with a, with a wedding dress or a full-blown tux on, right? But the I just – 
I've experienced it personally and seen it so many times where when you have an interview panel or interviewer that's dressed pretty well, either video or in person, and somebody comes in just way too casual, it just completely screws up the flow. And it just gives the, the candidate a perception of whatever you want to call it, uh, unprofessional, doesn't care enough. And it's amazing what your attire alone can do to an interview. So please, 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 people, I'm begging you, have something. Whether it's if you're a guy, go with the shirt and tie, a shirt and a jacket, or at mm-hmm. least have it relatively ironed. Uh, you know, so just that you're representing yourself well. That The last thing you want for to be the reason you didn't get a job is because you weren't dressed well enough or weren't or were too sloppy it's a really easy thing to fix and avoid have one jacket whether male or female one you can have any just suit jacket because even thinking about women um it's just so easy to throw on an outfit whether it's slacks or a dress or whatever and just throwing on that jacket makes it so much more professional and it doesn't have to be black it doesn't have to you know you can have color like Belle that's fine but putting on a suit jacket I find just just it's just so professional it looks so sharp now for me I actually do enjoy that where I I have personally a little bit of a look good, feel good, play good. Like that actually works for me. I'm also very aware that there's plenty of people that are the exact opposite, right? Where where a a suit really makes them feel stuffy. So cool. All right. You can casual that a little bit. You know, you can have a jacket on with even an uncollared shirt if it looks nice. You know, like there's really no rules per se. It's just... If for the people that underestimate the dress, it, it can be the reason you didn't get it. And, man, that's a really stupid reason to, to not yeah. get the job. Hey, hey Jeremy, going yeah. back, and then, uh, I mean, Brett and I, we joke about it, but uh, we take it very serious on, uh, on helping the candidate get into the best uh, situation. And uh, just when you, you think you don't have to tell them to, you know, not have the messed up bed behind them, they do that. And the, uh, go, when that first happened to us, um, the candidate, uh, overall was qualified, had a good interview and all that, but the client just could not shake that image and yeah. passed on it right. because of that. Cause it was, it was a reflection of, okay, if this, this candidate, uh, doesn't have the, 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 uh, the wherewithal or the common sense to say, you know what, I'm going to have a professional interview here. I'm going to take time to make that bet up behind them. A kind of reflection of their work. Um, ironically, the candidate, when we, when, uh, uh, we broke the news of the candidate that uh, they didn't get hired because of the messed up bed, they just could not understand what the big deal was, uh, which just floored me. Um, so you never even, know what you're going to get mean, into. But even, you, just, yeah. <laughs> even just showing attention to detail, uh, you know, which a lot of jobs, especially in technology, like you have to... You know, one when one colon can mess up a whole website yeah. in the wrong spot, like you need attention to detail. And so if you really can't just turn around and like have a gander at what's behind you, I, I, I think that shows the lack of attention. To detail. I, I think the same thing can be said just about timeliness. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to an interview, there's a few things about this. A, you know, hey, we have technology. Google maps that thing to see how long it's going to take you to get there. If you, if you have an interview in a downtown setting, damn right. It's going to take you longer to park 
and to figure out where you're going and, oh, I'm on what parking ramp and where am I going and what elevator and where's the lobby and like what floor those things can really matter. Even if you're on the phone or video, you know, log into the interview three, four minutes early and just sit there. The same thing can be said for the morons, and I mean it, morons that show up to interviews like 30 minutes early. Don't do, do it. Not. Sit in your car and wait, right? I mean, people can I always re- made people wait when they do Yeah, that. and some interviewers will do that, and you might end up just waiting. Now, yes, I would obviously rather recommend you being early than late, clearly. Uh, but there is a, a level of I don't know what to call I don't I don't think it's necessarily disrespectful, but you can yeah, I think it is. You can put people in a weird spot if you show up thirty or forty minutes early for an interview and they're kind of sitting you know, and just knowing that your interviewer, your your candidate that's coming to meet you is sitting in the lobby, meanwhile your schedule's so tight that you don't you can't go meet them thirty minutes early. This it is, can set them off in a weird way. This is literally that was my life at the last <laughs> job. So I was booked solid all the time, and if someone were were to come 30, 20, 30 minutes early, not only is it just rude and kind of weird that they're sitting there for so long but I had people constantly coming and interrupting me doing what I was doing of like well did you know they're waiting and I was like yeah they're fine like it's their fault they're here and so you know other managers you know there was well why does she make all of her people wait and like (laughs) it just became this thing yeah and it was like no five ten minutes max max uh, it should really be it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, I, you know, 10, 15 minutes in there, somewhere in that window is okay-ish. I think if you get to 20 minutes early, you're probably a little early. If you're there, sit in your car. If you're in an office building in a downtown setting, right, just kind of walk around the Skyway for a minute until you're ready to go in there or whatever it might be. Maybe you show up early and sneak in a bathroom run before you hop in there. Like what, whatever works for you is fine. It's just weird how these little things, if you underestimate them, they can really cost you. Mm -hmm. And it's your only damn chance. Mm -hmm. And to John's point, we on the inside, we did a ton of work to even get you there, right? We might have been courting this client for a couple of years uh, even to be able to get a chance. This, we might have been, you know, there might have been 13 resumes that they were considering and we were pushing you as a candidate hard so the amount of effort on your part as the candidate and the staffing firm's part to get you there is pretty intense. So, and and the rubber meets the road when you walk into the interview. Well, and the other thing, the the reason these are so important, I think, is looking at you know I sit on on LinkedIn most most of the day, most days, right? And I see posts, I see people, you know, I've I've interviewed you know a hundred interviews and I haven't gotten hired yet, and all I can <laughs> think is what are you doing wrong? Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I know it's tough out there. And so I'm not saying it's not. But when you you have to look at the common denominator, like, we, could there be any of these things that we've talked about so far that you're doing? And, and it's costing you uh, the job to maybe someone who went through a recruiter, got the interview prep, and and, yeah. and was polished, and you're rambling, and you you know, maybe you weren't dressed professionally or you showed up a half hour early or or multiple things that it doesn't have to be that, oh, there, you know, people aren't hiring or it's it's a, it's rough out there. It's hmm. well, what are you what honestly are you doing? Because there are more jobs than candidates right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of <laughs> so, 
Go ahead, John. I think I, th- I think um, Jeremy you touched on a little bit. You guys have been kind of talking about on-site interviews, but then the day of COVID here, or post-COVID, and remote and all that. Uh, um, make sh- the last thing you want to do is that at the you know the, cl- the interview starts at two o'clock. You're signing in. You know, sign in. A- you know, several minutes in advance, just, yeah. and just be waiting there. Don't, 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 don't rely on technology just to pop you up there, because um, it's, it's it's irritating for the client to have to wait for the candidate to, uh, to sign in. So, um, sign in early. And to, do to, that. Do that sound test, because most of them have sound tests that you can do. Um, at least the ones that I've used, you can test. Oh, good point. Yeah, you can test it, the Google Meets, the the Hangouts, the whatever. Yeah. yeah. Because I had a scenario it, it, once where I logged on, and this wasn't an interview, but just it's relevant. Is I have a speaker in my house that's Bluetooth, and I didn't know that it had connected to the Bluetooth, and so I couldn't hear anything that they were saying on the meeting even though technically everything was right. So you have to test that stuff out of, shoot, did it connect to something that you didn't think or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, audio issues. To so. that point, Amanda, the, the, video, the video part is even more important, I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's been maybe one or two candidates that we've talked to that may have gotten a position that didn't have the video portion of the interview working. And so almost everybody, if the, if the video didn't work, they're not getting they're the not job. They're not getting the job. And sure. if you think about it, you got to spin sure. the table and, and, and understand what's happening in the market a little bit to the company's uh, uh, vision here. So what's happening often is companies are taking advantage of the fact that you're not doing face-to-face interviews. And they're having candidates that are doing interviews that are not the same person that's showing up. They're having candidates that are doing interviews where they have somebody else in the room that's telling them the answers. And so there's a lot of different things going on that companies are aware of. And when you won't turn on your video part, it just throws up flags and you could be the best candidate. But if you're supposed to be a technology person and you can't get a video working <laughs> on an interview, you're not getting the job. Yeah, good Correct. point. Good point. So it's just it's as simple as that. So well, yeah. and, and just to dive into that a little bit, in case people don't know what Brett's referencing, um, in IT especially, unfortunately, there are a lot of shady things happening. Basically, I just refer to it as a bait and switch, where you know somebody will set up an you know, a client will set up an interview with the candidate, uh, but the candidate actually has his buddy do the interview because his buddy's better at Java development or whatever. And then all of a sudden, a different person shows up for the first day or they realize there's a skills mismatch and there was clearly some misrepresentation there. And unfortunately, it happens more than you would think. And therefore, the average job seeker needs to be aware of that, which is your point. You know, so even if that's not even on your radar as a candidate, you could potentially be putting yourself in a spot where the hiring manager is a little gun shy because maybe they've been burned by this before and in IT. But this is a thing for sure. It, it's definitely a thing. It. And it also it makes a difference as to how you answer a question because this is a thing. So if a hiring manager asks you a question, usually it's a very good idea to have a short pause. Make sure you understand the question thoroughly before you just answer. But there are candidates that are doing a very long pause. <laughs> and the perception a, a of Google that is pause? that they're getting the answer you know, somewhere. <laughs> And so, you know, that's, that's again, perception versus reality. Maybe innocent as can be, but companies have been burned on this enough where it just throws up a flag. 
That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, uh, with that being said, uh, the 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 less experienced staffing professional may have a hard time uh, recognizing that, that those shenanigans. And but what we at Pyra, I think, we're pretty good at it because we've been doing this forever and a day. And it takes it. it uh, it's going to take a lot to get by us. Uh, so, uh, we, we got, <laughs> John's we got a steel trap. Yeah. yeah hey, that, um, go ahead, John. I, I, I want to back up on one second. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of a of a in an interview, and Brett talked about it earlier, and a man that just talked about it a little bit doing a mic test and things of that sort. Um, I'm I'm all into having candidates uh, send those little subliminals that hey, I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm very cognizant of things. Uh, of, of, uh, so when I tell candidates at the beginning, you know, Brett said, make sure you're framed up and all that. But I, I tell candidates, Hey, during the course of the, you know, the introductions or the pleasantries, uh, you know, before you really get into the interview, just say, Hey, hello, am, am I framed up? Can you see me? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Good point. And then what, what you're doing there is the candidate is sending just another little, uh, subliminal message that saying uh, the hiring manager is probably saying, boy, I tell you what, uh, this candidate, uh, if he's this concerned about the little things like being framed up and being being heard, I bet you uh, he or she is uh, is uh, the important things are 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 the big things are important to them as well. So just little things like that just kind of helps the candidate, uh, you know, uh, you know, separate themselves from the competition. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, actually, uh, because this show is really supposed to be about preparing for interviews, not necessarily techniques in the interview. Mm-hmm. There's a subtle difference there, right? Sure. Uh, you know, we, we've had other shows and other topics, mm-hmm. and we'll probably go into them again about what you could do specifically in the interview. What we're talking about now basically is just we're trying to figure out any way we can to avoid the pitfalls to make you look bad. Right. Whatever those are showing up late, you know, the communication thing, right? Anytime you give a prospective employer a reason to think badly about you, a lot of times they're going to take that, even if it's subconscious. So this is just a, how can you frame yourself up? How can you have the logistics ready to go? Whatever that might be, not necessarily how you answer technical questions per se. That's kind of what we're diving into. And that kind of reminded me about the fact that we can have challenges with candidates that don't interview often, right? They're kind of interview novices and they struggle with this, but we also paradoxically have similar challenges with people that interview all the time because they kind of go into these interviews with a little bit of a, yeah, 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 I've been there, you know, no big deal. And that's where that can cause them some problems too, whether it be a laissez-faire attitude or it is a stupid thing like an, like, like, like an audio issue, like you said, John. Well, what about the, we had a candidate that said, had said something along the terms of like, well, they're not going to ask me a bunch of stupid questions, are they? <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, I would assume they will. <laughs> and, and you'll probably give them some stupid answers along yeah. the way, I would bet. Oh, he couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, but that's one of the reasons why I like that does it answer your question technique because of the fact that, I think you kind of mentioned this, Brett, right? We hear what we what we think we hear, but that wasn't necessarily what the manager was asking or what they were trying to do. 
And it's amazing how in an interview, you could t- spend five straight minutes answering a question that wasn't even asked to you. Correct. And then you need to give them a chance to be able to kind of, you know, fire at you. Well, actually, it's good to know what the team was doing, but what part of it was your duties or what have you. Or, yeah, 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 no, that's cool, but we actually don't do that here. We do something a little bit different. Uh, you know, so to Brett's point earlier, be be deliberate to pay attention to how the questions are asked because they can be framed a certain way or maybe they are leading you. And we don't always pick up on that stuff as humans. Well, and I think it's all right to repeat the question in your own words of, of saying, OK, I are you're asking blah, 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 blah. Correct. And kind of very, if if you're confused, if you even remotely think you're confused, because I've had people in interviews do that and. Sometimes I'd be like, well, not quite, you know, actually, let me let me be more, uh, you know, more deliberate in what I'm saying here. And so I'll reframe the question. So there's okay if you're unsure. um, I think it's fine to tell people that you can verify that you understand the question, Mm -hmm. too. (laughs) Continuing to talk on communication, uh, the candidates that uh, aren't um, U.S. born, English, uh, not the second language. Uh, everybody's had to deal with them. Uh, we deal with them on a daily basis. And uh, uh, the the less experienced recruiter kind of hems and haws about, uh, you know, helping that, those kind of candidates uh, articulate. And Brett and I aren't afraid to, uh, you know, help them out. And because uh, um, uh, in technology candidates, they get so excited about technology, they start talking a mile a minute. <laughs> and uh, you and uh, half the time you can't understand them, that's okay, but we can help them. And uh, one of the things that I do, and I, first of all, I empathize with them, say, you know what, I, English, I, I don't have your your uh, situation. Uh, English is my first language. I can't imagine what you're trying to, you're going through here. But I'd just say, take a take a uh, uh, eight and a half by uh, uh, 11 piece of paper in front of you, put in big, bold uh, uh, letters and set it to the side. Speak slowly, speak clearly, enunciate, that kind of stuff. And just little things like that as a reminder, because when they get uh, talking about whatever they're talking about, they get excited and just go, 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 go. But if we have that visual reminder for them uh, and uh, then be upfront with the client to how we present them on terms of the communication style, Uh, you know, they might be soft spoken, they might be, uh, they get, they talk too quick. uh, But, uh, you know, once they slow down, it's much better. You know, the clients appreciate our honesty on, on the, how we rate communication as well. What's what's your what, what's your experience with that, Brett? Uh, you know, John. You know, of course, we've had a couple of uh, situations uh, currently, or you know, in, in recent uh, here. We had one candidate that had a tendency to get excited, to speak really quickly, even during the inter- the screening, the initial screening of getting this candidate qualified. Technically, they're a phenomenal fit. Um, they spoke clear. They spoke concise. They, they had great volume. But they were talking fast, and so I had I, I broke up the the call. I'm like, hey, slow down, take your time. You're just speaking a little bit too fast. And then after I got done with the call, I had John right away call the candidate back, and again go through. So we were really driving home that point, and we did it yet again with another candidate that I was doing interview prep with, that I was frankly ready to pull because there was a lack of energy. Candidate was being very, very casual to the point when I was doing interview prep, I ignored everything else because I knew if this was the yeah. way this person was going to interview, it's over. That's the thing. And yeah. so I immediately called up John 
and and got John to also call the candidate. And again, I mean, we, we threatened to pull the interview from the candidate. John's and, our big stick. And, and so, yeah, he's the heavy hitter. <laughs> so we threatened yeah. to pull it because I was not comfortable with this candidate representing Pyra, to well, be honest. And, 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 so, and vice versa is true. That's part of the benefit of working through a firm like Pyra that cares because – a lot of the times you need to understand what the manager is going to be like. And that's information that we know, you know, maybe this manager is a pretty reserved individual and therefore you can prepare the candidate by saying, Hey, you know, he, she doesn't is, isn't super talkative, not very high energy. And for somebody like me, I'm trying to read that the whole time in an interview. And you can, you can kind of unintentionally think this person doesn't like you if their demeanor is just a little bit more chill or vice versa. Hey, you're a fairly quiet person and this is a bunch of rambunctious, talkative people, right? So you might have to be able to interject when the situation calls for it or try and keep up with them a little bit. And those key things are really huge about why it can be so beneficial to go through a firm like Pyra because you don't know that stuff when you're walking in elsewhere. No. Sometimes you don't even know you're walking into a five-person panel interview, which is a hell of a lot different than an experience talking to one person. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in fact, there's there's one advantage of face-to-face reading the room. You have a chance to kind of get to know everybody's personality and make an adjustment. But when it's a video interview, it's really hard to read the room. So having a company that knows their client really well that can give you some insight as to kind of how they like questions answered and, and what their energy is like makes a huge difference in securing the position. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll throw one out to you guys. What is your general opinion on when you talk to a candidate after the interview and they said, it was amazing. I nailed it to the wall. <laughs> they practically offered me the job. <laughs> what, what, is, what, has well, been, what has been your professional staffing experience there? Well, Brett and I would both have been retired about 10 years ago if that was the case yeah. in every single one. So um, perception is, uh, Brett's pretty good at the, uh, the defining the, 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 what do you say, uh, perception to reality, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, everybody says that. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes they're right. Half the time they're wrong. So. Well, if you think about it, so this makes kind of sense. So they answer the questions that they think are correct. They don't know they missed it. Mm-hmm. And a good interviewer is going to adjust the questions to judge their, their skill level. So if they're missing these questions, they're going to ask the same level and then start going to easier questions until they can start seeing where they're getting accurate responses. Someone that's smart that fully knows the, the full range and capabilities of the software that they may be getting you know, interviewed on, mm-hmm. they're going to know they missed it. And they may come back. A lot of them, it's amazing because they know they missed it, and they're going to go back, and they're going to research it, and they're going to know exactly what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. But they're going to know they didn't do well. And that's the funny part is they did do well. Is most of the times when they know they didn't do well, they missed some technical questions and it's bothering them. Well, that's because they got pushed to the point where they don't know the answers anymore, which is a great thing. Which is a good thing. Yeah. So it is weird. Paradoxically, the, the folks that come back to us post interview saying, I don't know, like I thought it went well. It was pretty good. I kind of missed that one question or so. Like normally those are the folks that end up interviewing well from the client's perspective. The ones that say nailed it to the wall are normally the ones missing the ability to read the room 
and that's where they missed it. And then they end up not getting the job. It's unfortunate. But for us in the industry, we call it the old kiss of death when somebody calls back and says, nailed it. They're practically giving me the I job. They basically yep. showed me my desk. I'm like, all right, well, I think they showed you the door too because that's <laughs> yeah. it. You know? Candidate feedback. It's always amazing. <laughs> yeah. What, now, uh, w- this is a little bit of a, um, uh, a in-person interview uh, versus phone interview. But, John, you touched on this earlier. What most candidates don't know is that we take a bit of creative license with our candidates' resumes. Part of our job is to do that, is to make them pretty and marketable, whatever that might be. Uh, I know we don't rewrite resumes. We don't add things that they don't have. There's nothing along those lines, but there can be tweaks made. And a lot of times, and John references earlier, the candidate might not know that. So if I'm a candidate, I definitely want to ask the staffing company, you know, can I have a copy of the resume that you presented or what information did you provide them? Because sometimes there could have been a tweak made and then you might be talking about something on a resume that either isn't there or isn't focused as hard. And that kind of comes into play with a face-to-face interview too. Uh, You know, I, I would always recommend bringing copies of your resume just in case. Uh, but you don't want to bring a copy that doesn't match the copy that the right. staffing firm provided. That's what I was just right? thinking of like, so, oh, so, no. Exactly. So we might have already sent the resume to all of the applicable parties for you pre-interview. You can expect that. You can bank on that. However, you might want to make sure that what you're bringing and or what you reference in the interview matches what we presented. And a lot of people skip that. A lot of recruiters forget to tell candidates that, and a lot of candidates forget to bring that up. It's a big thing that people miss. And it's it's really important because, you know, the bottom line is if it's on the resume, it's fair game to be asked during the interview. And it, and with some companies, they it will, will be. They, they will be asked. It'll be <laughs> stuff that isn't even uh, relevant to the position. If it's on your resume, they will dig into it. Yeah. Um, Another thing has to do with preparing for knowledge of the customer. Uh, John mentioned this earlier. We do a lot of this very intentionally. Here's the information about the organization and here's kind of what they're doing and here's the project and here's the job. But always, always, always do more research on the company. My two favorite examples are here in the Twin Cities area. There's a large life insurance company called Allianz Life Insurance. And it's spelled funny to the degree that a lot of people mispronounce it. And nothing will make you look dumber as a candidate than going into a company and and mispronouncing the company name multiple times during the interview, right? So know that, figure that out. Also, uh, we used to do uh, a lot of work with... How do you uh, pronounce it, Jeremy? It is Allianz, not Alliance, <laughs> just for the record. And we are Pyra, not, yeah, it is, Pyra, not Pyra. <laughs> yep, my, uh, this is Pyra, not Pyra, and that can matter too. Um, just had a call today, so hi, it, I know you're at Pyra, Pyra Consulting, yep. and I was like, no, I'm and, not. And, and that happens, and we, and, and we get it, right? And so, do the, so does the client organization, but at the same time, it just doesn't make you look real prepared and organized if you can't pronounce the name properly. Um, Another one is uh, we've done a lot of work with Medtronic and uh, their founder is a guy by the name of Earl Bakken. What does that matter? Nothing. Except for some reason, everybody in Medtronic loves it when you mention that guy in an interview. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's It's like a cheat code for an interview when you go in there, right? So 
learn some something about the company. Know a little bit about how they're doing. Ask some questions about that. Hey, I saw you guys just acquired another company. What's that like? You know, being inside of the four walls or you know, hey, the stock's doing amazing. You know, what's that been like around here? Or are you guys projecting similar growth? It just makes you look smart and plugged in. And you could have found a article in 38 seconds on Google and it'll make you look that brilliant in an interview. Well, that was literally going to be my next question because I don't know this. Do you guys provide the names of the interviewers? Because if personally, if, if now that I know all this stuff, you know, if I ever had to interview, I'd want to know... So I could go look to see, you know, have they written articles? Have they done speaking? Have they done anything that, again, what can I do to be like, hey, I read your article on, you know, whatever, or saw you were featured in this magazine. You know, I think it just shows, I don't know, it's trying to connect with someone. John, I'll let John field this one. Go ahead, yeah. buddy. Yeah, part of that, that document I send uh, includes the logistical information, includes the, uh, the interview pan- panel, Includes their LinkedIn profile. Uh, it'll include any, uh, you know, uh, uh, specific information about the, that particular uh, panel member that I that I know. Um, if if it's a, if it's someone that um, interviews quite often, that I, I picked up some uh, good scoop on what the, to expect. Uh, this can, this this person asked this kind of questions. This, this you know, that kind of stuff. I provide that information so they. They, uh, they not only, uh, you know, and I tell them, part of your research, go in and, and look at their LinkedIn profiles and clients appreciate it when all of a sudden they, they, they see that, yeah, so-and-so uh, I could see was uh, 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 viewing my profile. That, that's another little, uh, nice little subliminal that, uh, that uh, the, the candidate is sending that, uh, hey, this, this candidate took this interview important, did some research on the company, did some research on me. Things like that just sets them apart. Yeah, not only that, but but if you have the LinkedIn profile, then that individual, if they use LinkedIn at all, probably has some other information about themselves. You know, maybe they're a Packer fan, or maybe they love fishing, or maybe they volunteer with a certain group. Right? You went to the same college, the same school, or any sororities and fraternities. This this is an interesting story. So when I interviewed here uh, with Pyra, (laughs) I had researched Jeremy's LinkedIn profile. (laughs) And because I'm figured he knows me, he's got my resume. I don't know anything about Jeremy. So I looked back and right away, my icebreaker to Jeremy is, I think we know someone in common. He's like, yeah, who? And I said, I think, well, you're at Corrugated. You probably work with, and I mentioned the name. And he's like, oh, my gosh, he was my boss. Yeah. And, you know. Instant bonding. Yeah, instant bonding. Uh-huh. And, you know, small world. Next thing you know, he's, he's going to be a pirate employee. Mm-hmm. So. No, no, it's really true. No, it's 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 tough to use LinkedIn to easily understand like who's on the team of where you're going. Uh, but that's another that's another thing you can do as well. Do a little research on that person, and who knows? I've had it before. I don't know. How about you guys? Have you ever walked into an interview and one of the people on the panel is somebody you know? It's pretty sweet when you like them. It sucks pretty bad when you never got along with them. I yeah. have. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Well, to, you know, to that point, you're, you're like, oh, I can walk away now. Walk yeah. Away. Yeah. 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 When you're on an interview and it's a question answer kind of an interview, you're losing. So you've got to develop some rapport and you got to get some, you know, I always tell, you know, candidates, you know, talk like you're talking with your friends to a degree. Yeah. But it needs to be open. It needs to be honest. And your personality has to show because. Equally as important as your technical skills is your personality. 
and how well you're going to fit in with the team. That's a critical component. And, and oftentimes we'll get, you know, feedback on a candidate sometimes where, you know, I love them, but they just not a good team fit and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do. I mean, that's, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing because you don't want to put a person in a position where they're not going to enjoy what they're doing. But you can't get that out unless you open up and become yourself a little bit during the interview yeah. process. And people just tend to hire people they like, just as a general rule. And then remember, if you, especially if you've never been a manager before, this is tough to think uh, if you've never done it. But you, as a prospective employee, are a representation of the manager. Right. So once they hire you, right, they, they their reputation is on the line based on who you are and what you do. And they're going to want to be proud when they introduce you to the team or a manager from another department or whatever. You know, so if, if there isn't a interpersonal connection, which is your point, Brad, that that's where that can break down. Right. They're, they're going to they want to work with people that represent them well, that are going to fit in the team or whatever that might be. And then obviously, to your point, you're not supposed to get every job that you interview for, even if you could. You know, you don't it's supposed to be a two sided equation. Right. Exactly. So, so sometimes you can not get a job and obviously it has nothing to do with something you did wrong or what have you. But at least prepare yourself to go in there and represent the best way you can. So you at least have a good shot at it. How do you guys kind hand- of go further on? Go ahead, John. Kind of to go further on what Brett said. I'll you know tell candidates that you know interviewing you know sometimes is not the funnest thing in the world, but it's not the worst thing in the world. You know you need to let your let your uh, inner personality shine and uh, you know relax, have your game face on, no doubt about it. But uh, you gotta gotta relax and smile and and sh- uh, smile on occasion and uh, and just uh, let your personality shine and and just uh, that helps them kind of get in a in a in a more relaxed state, even though they knew they know that they definitely got to bring their, their a game. Have you had a lot of difficulty or moments where you have the best candidate, but maybe their personality shining isn't exactly what you want? <laughs> there, there definitely has been times like that and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, you know, one of the things I think is that extra value when you really know your candidates, you actually can get back to the client, and John is really good at this, and you actually do a client interview prep. And so you're mm-hmm. going to explain exactly what this candidate, maybe they're just soft-spoken. Maybe they have a stutter. You just don't know. But it doesn't mean they're any lesser of a candidate. But when you prepare the, the client for the candidate, then great things can happen. That is invaluable to job seekers. Like, I don't, I don't know that they know that that happens. And for anyone that struggles with interpersonal communication and relationships, that is a huge, huge asset. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And and frankly, uh, a lot of staffing companies aren't really doing that. No. Uh, so even if you are working through a firm, they, they, they might be trying to sell you as a candidate. But there's a slight difference between that and what Brett's saying. But it's a key difference, right? It's the human factor. It, it, it's, it's a, you know, like, you know, hey... Uh, this person, you know, from my experience, you know, he, she's a, a little reserved at the beginning, you know, so if you want to get him to open up a little bit, you know, try and try and joke around a little bit or get him talking about themselves as opposed to jumping right into nitty gritty job details or something. And we can help our clients do that. And that's a good service that we can provide that really isn't a part of the op, you know, that's not a part of the ABCD of what we do, but it's something that we should be doing 
and it can help out both sides. So prep the candidate for what to expect on the manager and prep the manager for what to expect on the candidate. And that doesn't always happen. Well, because hopefully you're getting as down to about, who can do the job. Go, as, as, as I go about, uh, you know, digging into somebody's resume and things of that sort, most candidates are pretty wise to this. But just when you think that uh, you don't need to prep them on this, uh, they go ahead and cut their own throat. Uh, they they <laughs> They start, uh, you know, talking negative about their current job or their past boss and things of that sort. Uh, I always say, uh, you know, that might be the case, but uh, in the course of an interview, uh, that's not the place you always want to accentuate the positive, specifically when it comes to, you know, uh, addressing your job moves. Yeah. What did What did you learn from from it, kind of thing? <laughs> what What do you guys think about at the end of the uh, end of the interview? Do you guys have recommendations on anything from? You know, do you ask for the job? Uh, you know, what, what, what's kind of, when you're preparing a candidate for an interview, what advice do you give for how to wrap things up? I've got a, a couple of good things that I tell the candidates to uh, finish the interview with, you know, because there's always, do you have any further questions at the end of the interview? And one of the things is, you know, you've just had a chance to spend 45 minutes hour with me. And we've talked a lot, a lot of different technologies in my background. How, how well do you see me fitting in technically? Is there anything else you need more detail on? Yes, no. Maybe they give you something, maybe they don't, but you're offering it up. And then back it up with the same kind of question, but now the team fit side, how well do you see me fitting in with the team? You know, Because team fit, if, the, if you're showing interest of team fit during the interview, that's a great powerful sign that most candidates are going to miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's intangible information that you don't always get. And that could be anything, right? Like, hey, maybe our team is a little more junior and we're really looking to bring somebody in who can bring anything from leadership to being able to mentor. Or, hey, may our t- everybody on our team has been here for 20 years and we're intentionally trying to bring somebody in that has fresh ideas. And then you can kind of understand where they're looking for this person to fit, how you might fit, but you can start to gain knowledge on what they see being the best fit and then kind of gear your answers towards that if it's applicable um, in, in order to in order to position yourself best. I, I, I don't know if I like the asking for the job. Um, I personally like just expressing interest. Um, you know, n- uh, n- not putting them on the spot, more of just a, you know, I hope you're interested in me as a candidate. Um, I had a good interview here. I really like you guys. I was interested before I came here and now I'm even more interested. Uh, so I'm looking forward to next steps. I hope I have a chance to speak or meet with you guys again. Even if you don't ask a question, just to kind of deliberately put out there, like I'm interested, let's talk. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play coy with you, for example. I would do kind of a combo of the two. I agree with Jeremy. Uh, asking for the job, I always... Um, found very awkward when people would do that um there's usually a process usually a process that they have to follow um and go through that it's just not something you can do so instead um and this has actually gotten me a a position before that i was not going to be hired for um but i well first yes i'm i'm really glad you met with me um i'm very very interested as it stands right now are there any concerns that you have that you're willing to share with me about me and this position uh, in, in fulfilling this, this role? And they're not always going to say something, but if they do, you get an opportunity to then address that concern then and there in front of them. 
and then do kind of your just one or two sentence closing pitch is really what I do. Yeah. Or you can even just use that information because that's a really good idea to when you send a quick thank you email, reference it. You know, hey, it was great to meet you guys. Here's what oh, I oh, did. By the, oh, by the way, uh, hint, send a thank you email. Um, you know, but but in general, like if you, if you reference in the thank you email, like, hey, I know you mentioned that you might think that I'm a little light on so-and-so or whatnot. You know, I thought about that for a second and I can understand what you're saying, but here's how I, whatever, right? However you Either want to Either here's what, I, what you did over the weekend, because I've done that before where I've researched a platform and learned it over the weekend for the job, or... Hey, yeah, you had this concern. I didn't get to tell you that at this particular job, I actually did that, and, mm-hmm. and give your example of the experience in that moment. Uh, I think it's I think it's invaluable. But I I absolutely got a job that way. And then remember, most managers have a little shtick in their own brain on how they end interviews. So if they say we still have more people to interview, that may or may not be true. Correct. It might just be their way of over their career as a manager. That's the way that they found to be the smoothest way to end interviews. So don't overthink or underthink that. Uh, That may or may not be true. And then, you know, hey, if you're working through a firm like Pyra Consulting, then hit us up right away. Give us some feedback. We can use that information. We want to know how you feel about it. We want to know how you feel about that job compared to other jobs that you're going for. And if you know you want it, then we definitely want to know that. So we can go back to the manager and say, hey, you know, she really dug the interview and she's super interested and told us that she'd like to have a chance to speak with you again or would be in a position to accept the job. That stuff can really be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, send a dang thank you email. It takes two seconds. Seriously. If you don't know the email, cool, no big deal. Send it, to, send it to your recruiter. We will gladly forward that on. That's good information. It makes us look good. It makes you look good. Uh, and that's never a bad idea, ever, ever, ever. I, I, I mean, I've had people send me thank you emails by the time they got to their car. And that's kind of enjoyable too. You know, you get back to your desk, you were just in the conference room for an hour and you look at your email and you already have an email from the person you just met. Uh, so if you were already thinking good about that person, I'm I'm thinking even better about you if you sent me mm-hmm. a thank you email, even if it was a one-liner that just says, thanks for your time today. Oh, there's you know? li- there's a lot of little things. Even, you know, two, three days later, if you haven't, if things haven't moved forward yet of like sending another follow-up email of like, I just can't keep, stop thinking about this. I have... A few more questions I'd love to ask you, you know, hoping to talk to you again. Just some of that showing continued interest, Mm -hmm. too. Um, One little tip here before we wrap up soon. Uh, Remember, 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 this is the best candidate market of all time. That means you, as a candidate, are in the best position walking in the door to an interview than you or anybody else has ever been. So this is the most likely of a time for you to get a job that you might otherwise be a little underqualified for or to be able to kind of have a little more confidence, right? Uh, when When the market's bad and there's very few jobs, then yeah, you can be pretty confident that they're interviewing a lot of people. But if the market's really, really good the way it is now and they're struggling to find candidates, you might be a little weak compared to somebody they would hire a couple of years ago, but all of a sudden you're a little more attractive. So use that as motivation and confidence to be able to go in there because 
companies are struggling, they're willing to stretch a little bit. Sometimes they're willing to stretch on the job requirements just to find the right person mm-hmm. because they're already struggling to find somebody with the right, you know, right technical qualifications or what have you. So have some confidence. Uh, that matters, uh, even if you have to fake it till you make it, which most of us have to do in interviews. And if you want more information on any of these topics, you know, please check us out on, on the website, pyroconsulting.com. We have a blog section. We've got um, more, tons of topics on the Hire Fire podcast page. You can find us on SoundCloud, all that stuff. Um, we're pretty regular on this, this kind of tips and tidbits kind of thing. Yeah. And if you have some good ones that we didn't cover, let us know, uh, shoot us a message on LinkedIn. We'll post this show or what have you. And, um, we're going to continue to come back with our rotation on uh, different skill sets and different technologies, uh, different recommendations for the job process. Now that we solved all the world's problems with interview preps today, I feel good about that. Not bad in an hour. <laughs> Uh, We'll be coming back again with another show. We typically try and post these weekly um, and then hit us up. Give us feedback. We don't get we don't get a ton of it. So I love to hear good, bad and indifferent. Uh, Rip us online. We love that, too. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, thanks for listening to the Hired Fire podcast. I appreciate uh, the time of uh, Brett, John and Amanda. And we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Hire Fire podcast brought to you by Pirate Consulting. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or online at pirateconsulting.com. That's P-I-R-A consulting.com.